Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Before we jump in, I wanted to make sure that you know that I do a free live training most Thursdays at noon central. It's called the Care Points Difference. In this training, I share what care points are, why they matter, and how to construct them so that what you're doing becomes more naturally attractive to those you serve. And equally important, there are ways to set up those care points so that your membership becomes easier to run, which is critically important if you're running your organization with a lean team or with mostly volunteers. Providing a great member experience can seem like this thing that just automatically happens because you're of course committed to doing the right things for your members, but people get busy, balls get dropped, committee chairs change, and sometimes the right things simply don't get done. Intentionally designing care points changes that, and the effect is magical. Your members will feel the difference, and you'll love the result. Faster joins, more enthusiastic engagement, and renewals that happen without hesitation. If you'd like to join me for the next training, you'll find the details and a sign-up form at joyofmembership.com slash carepoints. I'd love to see you there. And now, with no further ado, let's get on with this week's show. When I was a kid, riding my bicycle up and down my block was one of my favorite things to do. We had a little creek at the end of the street that served as the gathering spot for all of the neighborhood kids. I guess it was a little like gathering around the water cooler now that we're adults. From our bikes, we'd swap stories, make up games, and just be kids. I haven't really thought much about biking as an adult. It's just not part of my life nowadays. However, that's not true for this week's guest. Sarah Quinn is Membership and Outreach Manager at Bike Pittsburgh, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to making Pittsburgh's streets safer for bicyclists and pedestrians. As someone who didn't own a car until she was 25, Sarah understands the need for equitable transportation options. She was drawn to Bike Pittsburgh's mission to make biking and walking commonplace for all Pittsburghers so that ultimately all neighbors can access the things they need without needing to own a car. 
Hey, Sarah, welcome to the program. I'm so glad you could join me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so let's just start with you sharing who you are and who you help. Of course. So my name is Sarah Quinn, and I'm the membership and outreach manager at Bike Pittsburgh. We are the local pedestrian and bicycle advocacy organization in Pittsburgh. So our mission is really to make biking and walking more commonplace for everyone so that they can access their basic needs without a vehicle. So in my role, essentially, I'm helping reach out to the community so they're aware of what we do, who we are, our mission, our work, and then, of course, growing our constituency. We are a member-based organization. The more people who are behind our work, really, the stronger our voices and the more effective changes we can make for advocacy. So I have to assume that a person who works for an organization like Bike Pittsburgh is somehow passionate about biking. So how, <laughs> how did you how did you personally become involved in this sort of work? I started biking for transportation purposes in college. I didn't own a vehicle then, and I actually came across Bike Pittsburgh when they were doing a free bike valet at a local arts festival. So if you're not familiar with the concept of a bike valet, essentially our staff will park your bike for free. They'll watch over it. So you don't have to worry about bringing a bike lock or finding a bike rack wherever you are. So it's a really cool thing. And that just got me jazzed about what Bike Pittsburgh does, really the fun community outreach that they do. And I started working for them as a contractor with events work like Open Streets and Pedal Pittsburgh. And then they were in need of a full-time volunteer coordinator. The staff was growing. So that's how I started working at Bike Pittsburgh full-time. And the mission really resonated with me as someone who didn't own a car for so long because in car-centric cities, it's difficult to get around safely when that sort of infrastructure and the resources aren't there. So yeah, essentially that's how I got involved. <laughs> so what sorts of things do you do to attract members to the organization? So like I mentioned, we do have several community events. I would say those are our largest outreach opportunities in the sense of we are connecting with folks in the community who maybe don't bike for transportation, maybe for them, they're more trail riders or haven't touched a bike in ages, but, you know, they see the opportunity to do this safely. <laughs> yeah. And open streets is a really cool event. And I'd say between our community events and our online newsletter and the educational resources we offer, like the Pittsburgh bike map, biking 101 guide, there are just a lot of opportunities for people to dip their toes in the water, if you will, <laughs> try out biking for fun or for transportation and really just wrap their heads around the idea that you don't have to be a spandex or lycra wearing cyclist to, to bike. I always say that the easiest point at which to sell someone into membership is on the back of a really successful event, that they've come to something, they've had a great experience, and they're in enthusiastic about taking the next step. So membership just seems like a natural next step. It sounds to me like you're really taking advantage of that point in time when members would be most inclined to join. That's terrific. Yeah. So I would say if they can't visualize themselves doing it or being a part of the community, why would they join? Why would they become a member? So for 
us to really sell the point of membership or the <laughs> the ways we impact our community, we have to show them. And an event is a really easy way to do that for someone to see clearly how our community is benefiting from the work that we do, like with Open Streets, for example, or Bike Anywhere Week, which we have coming up in May. I feel like you can write <laughs> so many ways about how you serve your community, but unless people can really see that impact, it's going to be a hard sell. Yeah. I love that experiential aspect of it. Yeah. I love that. I'm curious how this past year with the pandemic, how has that impacted an organization like yours? Are you seeing more people get into biking because it's something that they can do or has it been opposite because fewer people are biking to work and such? What? Yeah. So I'd say it's been a bit of both. We definitely have not been able to host the same type of events that we used to because of the pandemic. We ended up doing a good fair number of virtual events this past year in place of those in-person opportunities. But we definitely did see a bike boom this past year. And I'm confident that it's going to carry into this year as well with people looking for safe, accessible ways to get outdoors, get active, just I think we've all reached our limit with screen time. So (laughs) just a little break from the virtual office or a way to get outdoors, wherever they are. We've seen pros and cons with that, but I know there are people who have been looking for different community events like group rides and just the education around biking. Like if they want to try biking with their kids, their families, neighbors, we have those resources for them. So that part has been really positive for us. As a membership leader, is there anything that has surprised you about growing a membership or engaging members that you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, I would say never assume people know the work that you're trying to promote. That's that's probably... The biggest lesson I've learned in terms of reaching new people, it's easy after a few years to fall into that habit of people know your work, people know what you do, but it's always better to operate under the assumption that they don't. And of course, really segmenting your messaging so that those who signed up to your newsletter at a certain event, you're figuring out what exactly drew them to your organization, right? So our constituency is very broad in their interest. And I would say there's a different way to communicate with the folks who bike to work every day. That's their main mode of transportation than the folks who maybe bike a couple times a year or in the summer when it's a nice Saturday. Definitely appealing to people's interests and when talking to the community at large, making sure they have a great grasp of what you do and why they personally are affected by that. It's amazing what you can do when you dig into the data and see what personalization you can create for members. So um, I love that point. Where can people learn more about Bike Pittsburgh and the work that you're doing? I would highly recommend visiting our website, (laughs) bikepgh.org. That will be the most thorough medium that you can learn what we do in terms of our advocacy community and our education work. We do have, like I mentioned, lots of events coming up. So whether you're in Pittsburgh or you live somewhere else, there's plenty for you to check out, plenty to learn if you're interested in biking or looking to get back into it. But yeah, definitely check out our website. 
I think what you do is fascinating because, I mean, I don't live in a really big city. People around here primarily bike for recreation, go out on one of the trails and do some riding. But I don't think I know anyone personally who bikes to work or does anything with biking other than just recreational riding. So I think it's fascinating uh, the work that you're doing in a larger community to, you know, really make biking part of a, a lifestyle. I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about biking is you're either fully committed, you bike every day, or you're at the very opposite end of that, but there's definitely a happy medium. I mean, biking is for everyone in the sense of it's, it's low cost. It's an easy way to get around. And regardless of the ability, there are so many different types of bikes out there, your skill level. You don't, (laughs) you definitely don't have to be a racing bicyclist to enjoy a good ride. Well, maybe we'll inspire somebody to pull their bike out of their garage with this interview. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I hope so. It's, I mean, for me, it's just such a freeing activity. And I feel like that's something that I've really enjoyed seeing too with our youth education is just seeing the joy on kids' faces when they get confident riding for the first time and just being able to to get anywhere you feel like it. I mean, (laughs) you might not be riding 50 miles across the city or something, but just, yeah, really the freedom that comes along with biking is what I enjoy most. Well, thank you so much for being here to share Bike Pittsburgh's story. Really appreciate your time today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Joy. Joy here, back for a few thoughts on this week's episode. A while back, I pulled up at an ATM that I've used hundreds of times, and I noticed that the machine had changed. A brighter screen and bigger buttons were immediately noticeable, but then something else caught my eye. Three round buttons off to the side of the machine. These buttons actually raise and lower the tilt of the ATM screen based on your vehicle height. I've often seen people have to open their driver's door and step out to be able to use a machine, or they lean awkwardly out their window to achieve the right angle. So this is an awesome enhancement to the customer experience, right? Often, membership-based organizations have very different people who enter as members as well. In this interview with Sarah, you might have noticed that her organization's constituency is also quite broad in their biking interests. She indicated that members range from people who use biking as their main mode of transportation to people who only pull their bike out a couple of times a year in the summer or when it's a nice Saturday. So how do you make a membership feel completely appropriate at an individual level in situations where you have such varied interests in your organization's work? This is a common challenge for many organizations. Perhaps your organization serves people who are new to your industry, as well as people who have been in the industry for decades. Or perhaps you serve people who live in very rural parts of the country versus urban areas, or moms who have one child versus moms who have five. I suspect every organization has some version of this personalization challenge. 
Well, the first step is actually knowing about the differences that exist in your audience. What can your data show you? Are you tracking where people come from in your database? Are you looking at the programmatic activities that they've responded to? What emails are they opening and what opportunities are they clicking on? Have you learned anything helpful from member surveys? If you have this sort of data, it becomes much easier to begin building member experiences that feel more personalized. In fact, while you might think that personalization would increase your workload, it can actually have the opposite effect, essentially focusing you in on the offerings that will be most helpful for your members, rather than trying to be all things to all people in everything that you do. It's much easier to plan an ideal member experience for people you know well. Imagine it as the difference between throwing a party for total strangers versus throwing one for your close friends and family. With friends and family, you know what music they're going to like, which people should sit next to each other at the dinner table, and what types of conversations are going to be most enjoyable. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. I'd love to hear if personalization is something that your organization has explored at all. If you have, what did you discover? Drop me a line, joy at joyofmembership.com, and let me know. If topics like this intrigue you, Journey Care will too. One of the primary reasons why I developed the Journey Care platform is because I wanted my clients to have a better way to build their member experiences. I wanted it to be as simple as, if we know X about someone, then do A, B, and C. But if we know Y about someone, then do D, E, and F instead. In a nutshell, We're using tools inside the Journey Care software to automatically do what you'd probably love to do on a one-on-one basis with every person you serve. The effect is simply magical. If you'd like to see a tour of what Journey Care can do, you'll find a recorded tour on the website at joyofmembership.com slash software. That's all for this week. Thanks for being here and sharing a little time with me. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, take care. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.